Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Big Squid. I'm laughing because this is our severance episode and uh, I was, you know, happily working on this today. I recorded a new podcast with Ben Elwood. Uh, We recorded our podcast that is covering the uh, David Lynch film Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me and we'd had a really interesting chat about a, a, a... a very uh, tricky movie to discuss. And uh, then I, uh, I'd written this script and I sat down to uh, prep for this podcast. And then <laughs> the Oscars happened. And like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is going on in the world where Will Smith can walk on stage and hit Chris Rock in front of millions of people and then 20 minutes later everyone's giving him a standing ovation for winning an Oscar for best actor now (laughs) look I love actors I think acting is a skill I think you can do it well but let's not forget acting at its very core is pretensies you're very good at pretensies. You're very good at going, look at me, I'm pretending to be something else. And yes, you can enjoy it for what it is, but the man just committed physical violence. Now, there's going to be a lot of think pieces on this and I do not want to get too far into it because after about 15 minutes, I was so bored with this. I was just genuinely so bored. Oh no, someone who's rich didn't like the joke that another rich person made and got physical. Who gives a fuck? But 
whatever you're doing, wherever you stand on it, the important thing is to not confuse the two arguments. There are two arguments here. One is, like, a joke is a joke, but you don't have to like it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to like it. You shouldn't have to like it. If you, if you don't like a joke, that's perfectly within your rights to not like it. And I don't know. I don't like that kind of humour anyway, so I am not defending uh, Chris Rock. If if Jada Pickett-Smith, am I allowed to say her name? Goodness, I might cop a slap as well. If If she suffers from alopecia and then he's making a joke about it, regardless of the fact that uh, she is uh, a millionaire uh, in Hollywood that still feels to me like a, a punching down joke, and I am not into that style of comedy. But you can't just hit someone. <laughs> you just can't walk up and hit someone, and that's fine. Like, there were just other ways to deal with it and there's going to be all these think pieces and there's going to be all this has comedy gone too far and there's going to be people coming out saying freedom of speech and all of this kind of stuff but in a world where people are at war this is a couple of days after Taylor Hawkins died you might not be into the Foo Fighters but go and look up some things on uh, some clips on YouTube of the Foo Fighters with you know kids who have cats are coming up on stage with them and and Taylor Hawkins giving up the drum kit so the kid can play along. That That's one at uh, Madison Square Garden. There's all this um, really inspiring and beautiful stuff in the world. Uh, when, when I talk about uh, the war in the Ukraine, the, the way the Ukrainians are fighting back and the things that have been said. And just like, just imagine if Will Smith had just sat there with a look on his face that told us that we'd you know, quite clearly he did not approve of that joke. And then imagine if 20 minutes later he wins the Oscar and he gets up and he gives a really beautiful, elegant speech. And in that speech, he talks about how inspiring his wife is and how she's gone through her issues. But she keeps on supporting him and uh, he loves her very much for it. And then you'd be like, you know what? You showed some dignity you showed some class, and if you did it that way, then everyone turns around and says, "Ah, oh, yeah, that joke went too far, didn't it? Now it's, you know, it's going to be, the argument's going to be all over the place anyway. So I, I got a bit distracted, and <laughs> so, so weird, and so many messages from people, everyone's kind of in shock, and... Uh, Geez, people are quick to write jokes <laughs> online as well. There was um, there was one joke. God, I wish I could remember who wrote it. But there was someone <laughs> while Will Smith was giving his speech wrote, uh, "I feel sorry for the poor bugger who has to play the walk off music." <laughs> I'll be honest, that made me laugh a lot. But anyway, I, I just watched uh, you know the uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Uh, Peter Malinakis, the new SA Premier. Uh, he got in uh, to power last week. If you want to see Grace, uh, go and check out his acceptance speech. It's beautiful. It's exactly what we need in Australian politics. And just just find some dignity, people. For fuck's sake. Anyway, fuck all of that off. <laughs> 
the world is insane. People are insane. And we are now going to talk about something that... Uh, whew, what an episode of Severance. It's episode seven. It's called Defiant Jazz. And there's a moment when you're watching a movie or a TV show where one scene will appear like magic and take you so much by surprise, you'll find yourself both present and slightly removed from the moment. It's like you're right in front of the screen watching it, and you're also two meters back watching you watch it. It's like the quantum state moment of enjoyment. You're two things at once. And when that occurs to me, there's the exact moment I go from enjoying something to it suddenly becoming one of my favorites and episode seven of severance had that moment and it was foreshadowed in the title of defiant jazz and it is my favorite moment in the series so far before we get to that point though this episode began with mark meeting ragabi and that she's the only person who knows how to shut the lumon chip chips off while Mark attempts to get his head around what is happening. Lumon security, Mr. Grainer arrives and look, to be honest, I thought for a moment that he was possibly working with is it Ragabi? God, because of the weird spelling, it keeps throwing me every time I read it. Anyway, I thought they might be working together. And I also figured he was one of the main characters. And I think he is one of the main characters or was one of the weird character, uh, one of the main characters. And he has this moment of weird dialogue when uh, Grainer asked Mark who he's talking to. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? And then before that scene can go any further, we discover that Ragabi is a fan of Robert De Niro and the Untouchables, and she brutally murders him by caving his head in from behind. Holy moly, I did not see that coming. Uh, that's the kind of violence I can enjoy, by the way, when uh, a bad person who is fictional gets their head caved in, as opposed to having a little slappy slappy at the Oscars. Anyway, uh, she steals Grainer's security guard, hands it to Mark, tells him to get out of there immediately. So Mark returns home, he removes all his clothes to make certain he doesn't have any evidence of the murder on him. And then he tries to lie his way out of a situation with Alexa. Now, remember, I told you that I, I don't know if I really trust anyone in this show. And I I'm, I think I'm right to feel that way. But if Alexa is innocent, man, she has had a bad run with Mark. And one of the things I really like about this show is that I have a lot of empathy for Mark. But sometimes he has been a complete cockfat. So... He's, he's awful to her, and I know he's under pressure to try and think of ways to not uh, implicate her in anything that's been going on. But, man, if if she's as innocent as she appears, uh, she's given Mark enough opportunities, and she needs to look out for herself. Anyway. Meanwhile, Ms. Coble is connected with Mark's sister, Devon, and uh, is showing her how to breastfeed. And Patricia Arquette, <laughs> like... I know I keep saying it week after week, but she's so good. She is such a talented actor. And there's just that great moment where she's uh, pretending to be a breastfeeding mother, showing Devon how to do it. And then she just kind of throws the doll to one side without a care. And it's such a small moment, but it's a beautiful moment of underrated comedy. And it's also a true indicator of what she is really like. And you could have easily missed it. But if you did go back and just watch that little scene, it's it's fleeting. But 
damn, it made me laugh so much. And as I said, it's a small indicator of what she's really like. And all the way through this episode, characters do little things repeatedly that remind you of who they are at their core. It is a consistency that makes the series something special. So as an example, what does Mark do when he's confronted with something he really cares about? Like when he's confronted in a way that he doesn't know how to react, he petulantly tears something apart to prove a point. And we have two examples of that now. So initially it was with Heli asking him about the map and he just, in Lumen, he just tears up the map and, you know, in a very childish way, says, see, it doesn't matter to me. And he does the same thing with his picture of his wife in front of Alexa at the end of this episode. So even though you're seven, you do share traits. There is, there is still crossover there. Also, uh, we will get to the picture at the end of this podcast. Now, while Ms. Coble fishes for information about Mark from Devon, Mr. Milchik is hard at work in the office informing Mark that interdepartmental interaction is now off limits and they're in fact locking them in their own workspace. He also speaks to Dylan, who's any now knows that out in the real world, he has a son. Mr. Milchik refuses to tell Dylan what his son's name is, though, which he states that uh, they do that because it's a precaution. Now, Dylan is confused by the fact that there is an overtime contingency that allows Lumen to awaken outies in their civilian lives and that he also has his son. And Dylan has been the epitome of the idiom, ignorance is bliss. And now we reach the highlight of the episode, and for me, the whole series, when Milchik organises a dance and music event to celebrate Heli reaching 75 progress on the Sienna file. By the way, Sienna is derived from a Latin word meaning to be old, and also can mean a reddish-orange colour, which is interesting when we think of Heli's hair colour. Anyway, while we're here, Heli is derived from a Gaelic word, oh my god, I'm going to ruin this. Anyone who speaks Gaelic is going to have a conniption. Uh, Eledhach, which means ingenious. So a couple of little things to keep in mind uh, with this uh, character and what she's been working on. So since Heli has made good progress, she gets to pick the music they will all have a little party and dance to, and she chooses Defiant Jazz. And she also chooses Maracas to dance with, which leads to the funniest line of the episode when Irving says... Just with a little bit too much uh, firmness and 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 uh, confidence, should have picked the castanets. I don't know what. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
what it is about that line. I don't know if that is funny to read on the script, but John Turturro's delivery is so funny. In a really weird and creepy episode, there are some laugh-out-loud moments. We then watch Milchik dance, who is fascinating because he is 100% whatever mood he is in. So when he's friendly, he's 100% friendly. When he's menacing, he's 100% menacing. And when he dances, well, boy, does he dance. Flashing lights accompany his joyful moves that win over a confused heli, and even Irving and Monk join in. Unfortunately for Milchik, Dylan is so confused and stressed by his latest experience that he attacks him and the dance and music event is brought to a premature halt. Biting Milchik as well. God damn. That's... There's something about that that's uh, very confronting. Biting. Yikes. Dylan explains to his workmates what has happened, but since they're locked in their office, what can they do? And that's when Mark reveals that... uh, he has found something in his pocket, something he doesn't remember putting it there because it was his outie who hit it. It's Mr. Grainer's security card. They decide they're going to find out how to trigger the overtime contingency so they can contact their outies. Mark and Helly set off to discover how this might work, but Irving diverts so he can see Bert. And when he arrives at Bert's office, he discovers he's leaving Lumen. We watch as Bert's outie gives a pre-recorded speech that is eerie. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was watching this, it felt like a dead person saying goodbye to loved ones. And for me, I just love it when comedy and horror mingle effortlessly. And this scene was absurd. It was funny. It was tragic. And it was scary all at once. Irving is horrified. And I understand why. He has all this affection for poor Bert. And now he's going to be gone and he'll never see him again. Or will he? Maybe they're out there together. Remember, you know, my Burton Irving hashtag Sesame Street (laughs) theories from a couple of episodes ago. Anyway, once Helly and Mark discover how they can connect with their civilian lives, Irving is so shaken by what he has seen with Bert that he agrees to help them escape Lumen. Oh, there's also one more revelation. Mark drinks and loses himself in memories of his past when Alexa arrives to collect her phone that she had accidentally left at Mark's place. That's interesting, isn't it? Once again, I I have empathy for her, but that seems a little bit bizarre, right? She has become suspicious of Mark's behaviour and is convinced that he hasn't moved on from the death of his wife, Gemma. Here we see Mark's repeated behaviour as he defiantly tears up the photo of his wife. Alexa sees through this act and leaves Mark alone. He picks up the torn photo and carefully sticks it back together and that is when we finally see Gemma, his dead wife, is in fact Ms Casey, the wellness counsellor on Lumen's severed floors. If we weren't certain of Lumen's sinister behaviour before, we are now, considering the so-called facts of severance have included Gemma dying a couple of years ago, and that is the instigating act that drives Mark to undergo severance and join Lumen. We aren't closer to unravelling the conspiracy, but we do know for certain there is one to unravel. The fact that Mark and Ms Casey have seen each other a few times and have no connection is frightening in its implications. I think there are two ways to do a mystery on TV in these modern times. If you have a mystery, you have to lay down the clues. But if the revelation comes too far out of nowhere, it isn't satisfying. Yet, if, you know, the problem is is that you come up with an idea and you're going up against the hive mind of the internet. So if you lay out all your clues, 
Well, the reveal can come, uh, can be discovered by everyone workshopping it together. So it's really hard to do this kind of TV show these days. So the best way to set up a mystery, I think, is to either do one of two things. One, use sleight of hand, tell everyone a fact, then move forward with other mysteries, only to reveal that the fact that seemed inconsequential was in fact incorrect. So as an example, in Watchmen, we were told that Dr. Manhattan was on Mars, and we saw footage of that. And so you, you think all the way through the, the first half of Watchmen, oh, I wonder if they'll go to Mars. I wonder if Dr. Manhattan will come back from Mars. I wonder what Dr. Manhattan is getting up to on Mars. And then you discover the footage was doctored by someone else and that he was on Earth the whole time. Have I given away a spoiler? You had plenty of time. Not my fault. Don't hold me responsible. You had plenty of time to get onto it. Uh, the second way is to have a mystery that everyone can solve, and while people feel good about solving that particular mystery, then reveal another mystery was there all along that is even more important to the story. So while we're all focused over here, there's another mystery bubbling away that we don't even take into regard. So case in point, it never mattered to me when uh, I was watching The Leftovers, uh, I just didn't even think twice about where everyone had disappeared to. I just didn't think about it. I was told from the very start, we're not going to solve that mystery because it's unimportant because it's about the people who were left behind. Great. So then when you arrive at the finale and you have Nora tell us her story and, you know, if you're a Leftovers fan, I need to stress once again, whether you believe her or not is immaterial to the themes of the show. I hadn't even considered that it was going to be revealed. So... When it happened, it was like, oh my lord, we're solving a mystery that I didn't know was going to be a thing. So I think that's the two best ways that you can do a mystery. And, uh, you know, we were told that Gemma was dead. And so I accepted that and moved forward. And now that she's not only alive, but she's in there working, well, now I'm fascinated to know what this could mean in the long term. I didn't know it was a mystery to be solved. Look, to be honest, there's a part of me that's a little bit uncertain about how I feel about this revelation. Uh, on a lesser show, it might seem a step too far. But, uh, you know, because there is a worry that, oh, does everything in the outside world have to come back to Lumen? But I feel uh, that, you know what, that's a fear for a lesser show. Severance so far has won my trust very early on, and any TV show that takes a wild swing with a moment of defiant jazz has my full confidence, so I can't wait to see where this goes. Uh, before I leave you, things to keep in mind. PD said that Lumen has houses inside, so I'm guessing that must be where Miss Casey lives. She must live somewhere inside. She definitely can't go outside because then Mark would see her and he remembers his wife, so... That's fascinating to me. Uh, I also wonder why Bert is really leaving. His time with Irving has been so sweet. I've been quite prepared for it to turn awful. And uh, I wonder if his mixing with Bert has uh, led to him being pushed out. Oh, don't have something bad happen to Bert. Don't have something bad happen to Irving. Something's bad's going to happen. <laughs> when you feel this kind of emotion, it's... Uh, a fait complete that it's going to end terribly. 
Uh, when Mark is sticking the photo back together, he's reciting her best qualities the way Ms. Casey gets people to recite qualities in the wellness room. And uh, speaking of Ms. Casey, in Hide and Seek, we see uh, a moment where she says to Mark, I forgive you. And uh, I wonder if there's greater implications in that moment. It, it seemed a slightly weird line at the time. There was just something a little bit off about it. It wasn't quite the right sentence that should have been said in that moment. But because she was a bit weird, I was like, oh, okay. And we also know that he's gone into that room and uh, has come out with, uh, you know, his knuckles all messed up. So I wonder what was going on in there. And we know... I, well, I'm pretty certain we know that Gemma died in a car accident. And so now I'm wondering, did Mark cause that? Is that part of what drives him? The guilt that it was his fault that his wife died? Uh, if you think in the first episode, he nearly hit the outy version of Heli. Uh, and he was also crying in the car as well. So maybe he has bad memories of driving. Look, I, I fully admit this could be a stretch, but something... Uh, I don't know. It's something to think about. So now that we know who Ms. Casey is, it just opens up a whole new kettle of fish. All right. Um, Also, uh, if you look online, you can find the Lexington letter. I was going to break that down, but it is a long piece. It is there if you want it. Uh, There's a lot to dig into. Uh, The one thing I would... I thought it was worthwhile checking out, by the way. Uh, But what I would personally do is keep an eye out for the name of the editor at the newspaper. I'll leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, There's two episodes to go. I am loving this. I hope you are loving this. Um, Before I go, a couple of other recommendations. Uh, I was a big fan of the TV series Atlanta. That came back for its third season. It's going to finish after four. There were two episodes on Friday night that is worth checking out. And uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm also going to check out Pachinko, which is also on Apple TV. I'm, I've read a couple of amazing reviews, reviews that were so amazing, I stopped kind of reading. <laughs> you know, when you're thinking, oh, I reckon I'm going to watch this. Uh, I'll just uh, stop reading about here. And also, damn, I am watching Winning Time, which is fantastic. It is like, I don't think it's technically very correct, but it is like uh, having uh, a lot of cocaine with someone who lived an experience and then they're telling you the story, but you're sitting there thinking, I reckon you're a bit too charged up and you might be adding little bits of flavour to this tale. <laughs> uh, but I'm loving it, so you can check that out. That's out on HBO. Um, I'll be back uh, this week with a great interview. I'm so excited about this. I managed to uh, record an interview with author and journalist Chris Herring. His book, Blood in the Garden, uh, about the New York Knicks from the 1990s, was uh, a New York bestseller twice. So it hit the top and then it went back down and then it got another lease of life and it's gone back to the top again. He is a gentleman. He is fascinating and he has such a calming voice. You will really enjoy listening to him talk. You don't have to be into basketball to enjoy this. I don't think you even have to be into basketball to enjoy the book. It's a little bit like, uh, as a friend of mine said, it's a little bit like Moneyball. My friend's not into baseball in any way, has no interest in baseball, doesn't know really any of the history of baseball, 
Moneyball is one of her favourite movies. And this book is, in a way, I think it might be even more exciting if you don't quite know what is going on with that. So that will come out on Wednesday. And that is a a great chat with Chris Herring. I thought I was going to get like half an hour, 40 minutes with him. And I got uh, a solid hour and a half. And it was great. And I'm really excited to share that with you. So that will be... Uh, as I said, coming out on Wednesday. I hope you're enjoying Severance as much as I am. Two episodes ago, I don't want it to go. I just want it to keep going forever. But I'm very excited to see how this season will end. I hope you're well. And uh, look, just a bit of a word of advice. If you're going to make any jokes about people's partners, make sure they're not able to walk up to you and slap you in the chops. (laughs) Ah, until then. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.